Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 17 of the Average to Elite podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today we are covering a topic that, quite frankly, nobody really wants to hear about. Um, so what we're going to cover today is immune function, so bulletproofing your immunity, becoming a more robust individual and a healthier athlete. So everybody cares about know, having low levels of body fat, you know, loss of muscle, you know, fuel and performance, recovering fast, really like improving power to weight ratio. But none of it is really important at all unless you are healthy. And, you know, a really great saying or is, uh, you know, the greatest ability of an athlete is availability. Now, you could be shredded and be in incredible, like physical shape, but if you're not um, able to put your hand up week in, week out to actually play and compete, you're not going to progress in your sport. Um, and a really, really interesting study uh, that came up showing that over the course of a five-year span in Australian track and field athletes, the likelihood of achieving success or your performance-based goal increased by seven times in those that completed 80% of the planned training week. So essentially, you just being healthy and fit and turning up to complete your planned training sessions is just going to make you a better athlete. It's going to put you in a better position. Ultimately, sport is a skill. And you know the more sessions you complete, the better at that skill you get and the higher up the ranks you climb. So there's no point, again, being in incredible shape if you're missing loads of vital training sessions and competitions because it's really going to, you know, impair your long-term uh, progression. So today's podcast is all about the key factors to maintain immune function. So again, none of this is going to make you shredded or build muscle or actually it will indirectly help you build muscle, get shredded and all that kind of stuff because, again, you can complete more training sessions and you'll be able to stick to your diet better, not have um, these huge um, fluctuations in you know, energy levels, hunger, this desire to eat, uh, all that kind of stuff. So today is going to be super, super vital um, information I'm going to share with you for this long-term career progression. So without further ado, let's get into today's show. So when we look at ways to maintain our immune function, so, you know, bulletproofing immunity, there's six key factors that an athlete really needs to know about. But before we get into them, you know, as we're still in this COVID pandemic, um, you would have seen the headlines day in, day out, um, as in, you know, self-inoculation being a really, really important thing um, not to do, essentially, i.e. looking at hand hygiene, not touching your face, this transmission of, you know, bacteria, viruses, and so on. So I'm not going to go into the, you know, the real basic stuff, which, to be fair, is going to be absolutely huge in terms of your overall health and well-being, not just for now, but for the rest of your lives. So 
if you are unsure about any of that, um, literally just go into Google and search COVID um, guidelines, and there should be a plethora of information for there for you to look at. But what we're going to do today is look into the more athlete specific stuff. And like I said, there are six areas that we can really look at. So one of them is obviously going to be nutrition, which obviously we will be touching on. Um, second one would be your training load and training management, poor sleep, you know, lifestyle stresses is a huge one. So your psychological stress and your mental health is so, so, so important when it comes to uh, your immune function. Uh, and then other things like uh, your climate and if you're doing any form of long haul travel or anything like that. So we're not going to go into the last two, but we're definitely going to look at your nutrition, training load management, uh, your sleep and your life stress. So we're going to kick this off with um, psychological stress. So I'm going to leave nutrition till the end. So first and foremost, um, I was really naive to how much uh, your psychological stress can really impact and suppress your immune function. Um, you know, when I look at the research now, it seems that psychology pretty much governs of the immune system to a huge extent so again i don't want you to be naive like i was and just completely dismiss this um obviously i'm not a trained psychologist i am a nutritionist so what i'm going to do today is just give you like an awareness of what some of the research says but what i suggest is uh that you go and listen to episode 11 of the podcast where i had uh, neil addington on who's a sports psychologist he was with us at wasps Nice with Celtic football um, and then reach out to him if you have any questions surrounding your own uh, mental health and psychological state. Um, but what we know from the research is that you know, your psychological stress has a marked influence on immunity. So if you just think of your own lives, you know, what increases stress as an athlete? Competition, games, events? Yes, definitely. You've got pressure there, there's stress. Uh, injury? Pretty stressful team selection like are you worrying throughout the week um about being selected sitting on the bench or what have you um you know are you traveling you know some people just really don't like uh the idea of away games or away events with you know traveling whether it's long haul flights being away from family different environments different foods different routines they don't like it and it really stresses them out completely freaks them out actually um sleep disturbances sleep issues which we're going to go into in due course then obviously when um we think of like athletes you are ultimately people first you know you are human beings um so we've got to think of like your personal life you know whether that be you know finances relationship hardships uh all that kind of stuff and then lastly as well your overall sort of mental health so this is like your anxiety your stress all that kind of stuff so 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 important to manage as best as possible and this is why having access to a sports psychologist is going to be so important um again like i was completely naive when i was coming through um, my sports nutrition sort of degrees and stuff um like i was thinking of like calories macros timings all that kind of stuff and really it's a case of you know if you don't have the right mindset uh, you're not going to be able to implement anything. So we're not necessarily looking at your mental health and, and your psychological state from the perspective of immune function, but literally everything. Like your mindset will govern every single thing you do. So if you do have the opportunity to speak to a sports psychologist, even if it's just a touch base with them, um, 
you know, definitely use that resource because it is going to be invaluable. For example, so we know that your state anxiety, so your tension and worry right now, and your perceived stress, so that's your life stress in perhaps the last month, before exercise will modify your immune response. So if you think of the last time you had a big game, event, competition, and you're on the start line, extremely stressed, worried, anxious, um, you know, you're actually going to be weakening your immune system. Uh, and therefore, you're going to be in a more of a compromised state if you do come in contact with a bacteria or virus that is going to make you ill. So obviously, that is not going to be very good. And this is how uh, sports psychologists can help you massively in terms of being able to control their stress and anxiety before a big event. So we know that if we can control that, then you're going to be in a better um, position later on with regards to your immune function. There's also some um, nice new research showing that your trait anxiety could play a role in your immune function as well. So, you know, is there a possible role for stressful early life experiences in shaping your immune reactivity and your host defense to, again, virus, viruses or bacteria? So there's some research showing that um, literally just stems right back from your childhood. So, you know, adults whose parents lived apart and never spoke during their childhood were more than three times as likely, likely to develop a common cold versus those uh, children who had intact families. So this, you know, almost just, um, you know, strengthens the argument that your mental health and this sort of trait anxiety and how you deal with uh, life stresses can ultimately impact your reactivity to a sort of, actually we say like a virus or bacteria, something that's going to threaten the host's immune system. So what I wanted to sort of do here is really kind of just kind of point you in the right direction. First of all, make you aware and point you in the right direction of what we can do. So first of all, I mentioned that um, go and speak to a sports psychologist if you do have access to one. But ultimately, it really comes down to just keeping unnecessary life stresses to a bare minimum. Um, I know that's easier said than done, uh, but that's where the role of a psychologist can come into it. Um, from things that you can do very easily is just kind of like just implement stress management interventions so you know meditation using like your headspace app um you know diaphragmatic breathing all that kind of stuff can help um calm you down and reduce stress like all you have to do is go into youtube search breathing exercises and again there'll be a plethora of information out there uh for just to help manage your own stress but ultimately if you do have any sort of um, issues surrounding this, go and speak to a sports psychologist because ultimately they're going to be the people to help you with this in the quickest and most efficient manner. But what I want to do here is just really highlight uh, the importance of psychological stress in terms of your immune function. So next up is sleep. I've already done a podcast on this, looking at 11 highly effective strategies to improve sleep quality. So I'm not gonna give you any strategies here today. I want you to go away and listen to that podcast. I appreciate this podcast is so far, it's just me um, offloading some of the work to, and kind of pointing you in different directions, but please go and listen to that. We know that sleep disturbances 
sleep disturbances uh, influence immunity. Um, you know, we know that if you have a dysregulated biological clock, uh, then it can affect uh, some immune variables. So we also know that sleep efficiency, so the percentage of time asleep, um, you know, is much lower in athletes versus non-athletes. We know that over 10 nights uh, with under five hours of sleep increase pro-inflammatory markers, which again could be, um, you know, it could really tell us whether your immune system is on high alert or not. Uh, we also know that if you have under six hours of sleep per night and under 92% efficiency, you are four to five times more likely to get a cold. So if you have, um, you know, sleep trackers built into your watch or onto your phone, you can actually measure this and you can just, um, you know, just do it over the space of next or seven nights and see where you are in that uh, perspective in terms of overall hours of sleep per night and your sleep efficiency. Because if you are sleeping under six hours at under 92% efficiency, you're four to five times more likely to get a cold, which is not a good thing. And finally, we know that if you are the type of person who does this whole catch-up sleep, perhaps, you know, hustles and grinds throughout the work week, four to five hours night, Monday to Friday, and then like hours weekend, I'll just play catch-up with my sleep and sleep maybe eight to 10 hours. We know that it's still going to suppress your immune function is basically going to activate many sort of physiological stress systems and you're essentially going to be in a more compromised position. So again, this whole catch-up uh, sleep routine just doesn't work from the immune system perspective. Now, we know again that your sleep is one of three main pillars for overall and optimal health and performance, the other two being nutrition and exercise. So please um, do not take this whole thing very lightly uh sleep is so 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 important um go and check out uh the one of the previous podcasts so 11 highly effective strategies to get a better night's sleep um and then start implementing them because as the saying goes by ralph waldo emerson you know an ounce of action is worth a ton of theory so you might listen to me just rambling on about loads of stuff uh, but ultimately it means sweet fuck all if you don't implement any of it okay next up is your training load management so many athletes just love to again just actually train all the time whether it's sports specific they're in the gym they're running laps around the track you no know, their lifestyle of more is more is not going to be conducive to long-term health and maintenance of your immune function so we know that heavy training compromises both the innate and acquired immune system uh we know that this is more so in the recovery period after heavy and prolonged exercise perhaps lasting over 90 minutes this is um perhaps coined as the open window for illness and infection we know that overreaching and overtraining decreases immunity um and we know that as well international athletes experience fewer upper respiratory tract infections than the national level. So why is this? Is it genetics? Potentially. Is it lifestyle choices? Um, potentially as well. You know, is it the education? Have they listened to this podcast? Who knows? Um, or, you know, is it a case of, because in the professional setting, they're actually educated on this and therefore they are more aware? 
you know, if they are elite athletes as well, they may um, be provided with food, and therefore their overall diet quality is better. They might have access to a nutritionist. Uh, you know, they might have access to a sports psychologist. Therefore, their stress is lower. Their sleep hygiene might be better because, again, they might listen to this podcast episode, um, or they might have had the education there. You know, they probably are if they are elite. Um, they probably are full time, and therefore they are funding uh, where say semi-professional recreational have the balance of you know training like a full-time professional athlete but then still have the stress of working part or full-time to fund and to support their athletic career and we know then finally that um athletes are generally more susceptible during the winter months one of the things i sort of see a lot as well with um athletes is that they do not periodize their training with the other stresses in their life you know especially in the sort of semi-professional and recreational athletes you know they are perhaps um, really sort of push aggressively with their training when they know that life stress is high when they know that they're not going to get enough sleep you know they're not periodizing everything and ultimately they're trying to do everything at once and they're burning candle at both ends and they crash and they burn so this is why it's really important from the training perspective to have a really good uh, strength and conditioning coach or personal trainer that looks at things in its entirety. It isn't a case of, here's your training plan, off you go. It is a case of, no, here's your training plan, but I'm gonna periodize it and in line with your other life stresses. Okay, do you have a night shift coming up? Is your sleep gonna be impaired after it? Okay, how do we need to modify your training load for the week? Yes, we've got this optimal model on paper, but how does this optimal model fit in your life? So it's optimal for your life, should we say. So really just sort of think around these sort of scenarios. You know, a lot of students uh, were sort of following me as well, you know, student athletes during exam times, you know, we know that stress is gonna be high. It's probably not gonna be beneficial to a really heavy training block uh, during that time. Again, we periodize our nutrition, we periodize our training, but we do not periodize our training in line with the rest of your life stresses. So if you do write your own training, try and just think of that, okay? And try and um, just liaise with a strength and conditioning coach or even just hire a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer or an online coach to help guide you through all of this because ultimately you do not want to be combining high training load with high stress because you're going to burn out, you're going to get ill, you're going to miss three to four weeks of training and then you're going to be back pretty much in square one, building back up over the next three to four weeks and ultimately you probably lost maybe six to eight weeks in total. And if we go back to the initial sort of quote, you know, the greatest ability of an athlete is availability. And if you've missed, you know, basically 20 or so sessions in that time that you were ill and then building back up, especially if those sessions are key sessions or perhaps competitions, ultimately, you're not doing yourself any favors. So more is not more. So nutrition, uh, diet, the uh, the main event. So everybody kind of thinks that, you know, we need to be taking XYZ nutrients or XYZ supplements to really boost immune function. Um, first and foremost, I don't really think it's a case of boosting immune function because you all have like a certain ceiling is more a case of make sure you try and maintain that immune function and try and offset it from being uh, suppressed. So the first and foremost um, recommendation that we kind of give is really 
boring and it's just not being deficient in anything. And we can pretty much end it right there um, from the nutrition side of things. So what one of the main things I see a lot of athletes um, do is not think about their nutrition from the immune function perspective proactively. They're very reactive. So they get ill and then they drop me a message, Chris, I'm ill, what should I take? Is like, well, this is a bit too late. So, you know, as we know, prevention is always the best cure. So we got to think proactively to make sure we can maintain our immune system and therefore have a better chance to tolerate any bacteria or viruses that we encounter. And so from the prevention perspective, we know that your nutrition status influences your susceptibility to illness and infection. So if you are deficient in any nutrients, you are going to have a weakened immune system. So the whole idea, again, is to eat a really balanced diet. And again, that's a really boring recommendation. Um, but sometimes, and to, to most of the times with every area, is a case of just doing the really boring things very, very consistently, being excellent at the basics. It isn't a case of, you know, you follow like a diet good for a couple of days a week, then you're pretty shit for the rest of the time, then you're on it again, then you're off. This is why sustainability of your diet and approach is so important, not just for performance, body composition, everything like that, but for your immune system as well. Just give yourself the best uh, fighting chance to not get ill and therefore, you know, enter more competitions, play more games and turn up to more training sessions at your best. So if we look a little bit more at these specifics, so if we break it down into you know, your macronutrients, micronutrients, and your overall calorie intake, so we know that your macronutrients, so your protein, fats, and carbohydrates are very much involved in your immune cell metabolism. So we know your micronutrients, your vitamins, especially things like, say, vitamin C, are really important for your antioxidant defense system. Um, we know that uh, in females in particular, so low energy availability, so this is like your low calorie dieting, um, if they are following like a super low calorie approach, they're four to eight times uh, more likely of getting a upper respiratory tract infection. So just for like the, uh, the side note on that one, um, there's a little bit of mixed evidence whether your low calorie dieting and so on can massively impact your immune system. Um, so some research is saying it does, but more newer perhaps way of thinking suggests that perhaps it doesn't. But uh, in this one kind of study, looking at low energy availability in females, uh, they did have a heightened risk. But again, this was perhaps associative and not perhaps causation. This then raised the um, question of, you know, is nutrition actually driving this? Um, you know, were these female athletes um, perhaps more stressed? They have more anxiety. They have more pressure to look and perform a certain way. Uh, was this sort of mental health or depression associated with that? So when we look at um, immune function in its entirety, we have to look at it in its entirety. There isn't usually like one specific things. It's usually like a whole host of things that culminate and um, cause immunosuppression. So it's a multifactorial thing. And this is why it's important to know all the sort of different areas. Yes, nutrition, nutrient deficiencies 
But then again, thinking of like your training loads, are they overtraining? Do they have poor sleep? Is it increased life stress? How is everything coming into one? So this is why we have to have that holistic approach, uh, especially when it comes to athletes and maintaining the immune function. So all this sounds great. You know, just um, follow a well-balanced diet and you'll be fine. Well, yes, pretty much. But what about all these supplements on the shelves in supermarkets, you know, pharmacies, supplement stores? What about all of them? You know, are they complete bullshit or do they have some utility there? Well, some do and some don't. So, or shall we say a tiny bit do and most of them don't. So we're going to split this into two sections. So we're going to look at immune resistance, first of all, and then immune tolerance. So your immune resistance is essentially your body's ability to clear viruses, bacteria, and pathogens, of which there's been five proposed supplements to help uh, benefit you in this area. So first uh, up is zinc. So we know that zinc is actually very important uh, and plays an important role in the immune system. However, we can usually get most of our dietary zinc through our food. And, you know, deficiencies is actually quite uncommon in athletes. So, you know, working off the motto of more is not more, um, you know, taking a supplement when you're already sufficient will not um, further benefit you. So there's no support for further preventing upper respiratory infections. However, if you are deficient, and then you take um, zinc, then yes, you're probably gonna have uh, a nice benefit there. However, if you are sufficient and you take zinc on top, what's been shown that regular high dose supplementation can actually impair immune function. So again, a more is not more. And so when it comes to zinc, you should just be able to get enough through your food if you are following a well-balanced diet. Next up is glutamine. So glutamine is one of those supplements that promises that everything and the world um, and really doesn't do too much. So with regards to glutamine supplementation, there is very much limited support in athletes, especially in endurance-based events. Um, you know, supplementation before and after does not alter immune function. So again, glutamine for immune function, there really isn't anything there to further support it. Um, granted, is not hugely researched, but the research that has been done, it doesn't really look overly promising. Um, next up is bovine clostrum. Again, limited support. Um, it does. Some research has shown that it can blunt the decrease in mucosal, mucosal, mucosal immunity after heavy exercise. Um, and then there's some evidence it decreases upper respiratory tract infection incidence. So there's something there, but again, it's limited support, limited amount of evidence. Again, is this due to the lack of research actually done in it? Potentially, but with research that has been done, it doesn't seem overly strong, but there might be something there. A supplement that does get a lot of attention is echinacea. Um, you know, you're going to see this in pretty much every supplement store, supermarket, you know, you name it. Um, where's actually limited support here, uh, even though it's pushed so strongly, for athletes, it really is limited support. So in general population, 
uh, supplementation does show a small reduction in upper respiratory tract infection incidence, but there's no influence on upper respiratory tract infection duration. And like we're saying, there's unclear findings in athletes. So it really isn't one that I would be rushing towards to basically fight off um, any form of viruses. And I know that, especially in the current climate with COVID, there's been a lot of supplements being pushed and proposed to fight COVID. You know, there is absolutely no research done in supplementation to fight COVID. You know, we don't even have a vaccine yet. You know, like, we have to be quite real with this, you know. Um, So if you do see, kind of like as a side note, if you do see any supplement or food or strategy uh, used to combat COVID, it is most likely bullshit. Um, You know, it really just will not have any research behind it. They're literally just taking a wild guess. And I've seen a lot of uh, posts, blogs, videos about echinacea um, and its ability to fight COVID and, you know, show, show me the research. There is absolutely none there. Um, but to get back on topic, for athletes, um, the findings uh, in, for upper respiratory tract incidence and duration uh, is highly unclear. So again, it won't be one that I'll be jumping towards. And the last one then is our beta glucans. Um, so again, limited support here. Um, studies and athletes show no benefit to immunity at all. So these are the ones, or should we say the supplements we can look at to help improve our immune resistance. And as we can tell, um, there isn't really any at all. However, there is one supplement that I use regularly, and I would definitely recommend you getting in advance. Uh, and this is zinc lozenges. So first of all, you're probably thinking like, Chris, you, you just said that zinc is a needed if uh, you have a balanced diet, which is correct. So we're not looking to take zinc here to affect um, your serum zinc levels. What we're looking to do here is take zinc lozenges uh, to create this protective lining in, or should we say a coat, should we say, in the mouth, nose, and throat. And what that will do essentially is prevent, say, a common cold virus from binding and really taking hold. Now, what's been shown in the research that about 75 milligrams of elemental zinc uh, per day, so again, this is a zinc lozenge, can decrease upper respiratory tract infection and duration by around three days. So that's roughly about 33% when taken within 24 hours of getting symptoms. And then you take it for the duration of the illness. So because the timing is very important here, I taken within 24 hours, you have to again be proactive with this and order it when you are not ill. Because once you are ill, if you think like, oh, okay, I need some, I need some zinc lozenges, it's too late because it's going to take you maybe two to three days uh, for them to get to you, and you have to take it within 24 hours again, just to try and decrease uh, the likeness of the common cold virus from binding. You know, if you take it five days later, that common cold virus is always already bound to your throat. Um, so ultimately, it is futile. So this is one to be very proactive with in terms of buying, but then being reactive 
on the onset of symptoms. Now, when we look at supplements or nutrients to support your immune tolerance, i.e. your body's ability to endure microbes, i.e. bacteria, viruses, and so on, there are three supplements that we're going to look at. So they are probiotics, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Now, first and foremost, if we look at probiotics, there is some moderate support in athletes to show they are beneficial, which is fantastic. Um, probiotics are essentially uh, live microorganisms. So, and we know that when you take for several weeks, can increase the number of beneficial gut bacteria. So when we look at the dose, we're going to look at about 10 billion live bacteria, which sounds like quite a lot, I know. Um, but as usual, standard dosing found in many higher quality uh, supplements. And we know that once we take this over the course of several weeks, can decrease upper respiratory tract infection incidence by 50% and shorten the duration by about two days. So if you think that you're 50% less likely to get ill, and if you do get ill, it shortens it by two days, pretty outstanding if you ask me. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of a supplement. You can look at probiotic-rich foods, which are your fermented-based foods, um, things like your Greek yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, all that kind of stuff is going to be really beneficial. So I would highly recommend you having those foods in your diet. The next uh, supplement or nutrient that we'll be looking at then is your vitamin C. So in this case, there is actually strong support in preventing upper respiratory tract infections, uh, similar to the probiotics, has a 50% decrease in upper respiratory infection incidence um, with supplementation. So if when we're looking at the dose of about 250 milligrams to 1000 milligrams per day, these are the results we tend to see. Now, I don't overly recommend vitamin D supplementation because, you know, we can very much just follow a food first approach. And if you are hitting your daily uh, fruit and vegetable quota of about eight to 10 portions per day, you're naturally going to get enough vitamin C in your diet. So I would highly recommend you just follow a food first approach. But if you can't get any fruit and veggies in your diet for some bizarre reason, then you perhaps would look to supplement. Um, I Supplements are there to fill in the gaps of a diet where food cannot. So we'll use this as a preventative measure and take, uh, or should we say consume about 250 to 1000 milligrams of vitamin C per day. So if you had say no vitamin C in your diet through food and you didn't take any form of supplementation, and then you get ill, you get an upper respiratory tract infection. So now if we start initiating supplementation after the onset of illness, then we perhaps need to have higher dosages and, you know, probably look in the, in the range of like grams uh, as opposed to milligrams per day. So this has been shown to decrease, you know, upper respiratory tract infection duration. However, uh, further research is required in this area and ultimately I this is kind of like your last portal call but you know again 
we always think of prevention is the best cure. So I always recommend you following a food first approach to get your vitamin C in. If you can't, then take a supplementation. Um, something as simple as like a Barocco or something like that could work really well. I think off the top of my head, it has about 400, 450 milligrams of vitamin C in there. Um, so we ultimately then avoid taking super high dosages of vitamin C after the onset of illness. Again, be proactive rather than reactive and last but not least uh vitamin d so there's moderate to strong support uh here in terms of its protective uh capabilities with regards to upper respiratory tract infections so we know that many individuals including athletes are going to have either suboptimal or deficient levels of vitamin d um purely because uh, the main source of vitamin d is through uvb uh, exposure via the sun but if you live in the UK, like myself, the sun is never out and is always pretty cold. So ultimately, we're not going to get adequate amounts from the sun. Therefore, we can turn to our diet uh, where we're going to get a little bit of vitamin D through food sources such as eggs and fish. But ultimately, it's not going to be enough. So we have to turn to supplementation, especially during the winter months when sun and skin exposure is low because we know that deficiencies are linked with upper respiratory tract infections and throughout the winter months i would highly recommend you take in about a thousand iu per day and when we talk about winter months it is um autumn through to spring if you have a known deficiency which has been confirmed by a blood test then it is recommended that you take about four thousand iu per day to treat um deficiencies so what about the summer months ideally not really like if you have say 35 percent of your skin exposed which is pretty much shorts and t-shirts and you're out in the sun for about 20 minutes per day or more you're going to get enough vitamin d just like um anything really more is not more you know vitamin d can actually be negative um and harmful to health if taken in super high amounts and you get and you run a risk of toxicity there so vitamin d throughout the winter months super super important uh throughout the summer months no need for supplementation if you have adequate sun exposure per day and that is pretty much us uh, for today. So what I want to do is just leave you with the 10 commandments of bulletproofing your immune function. So one, avoid sick people. Obvious one, but if you're around sick people, you're most likely going to get sick. Number two, prioritize hand hygiene. Number three, avoid self-inoculation, especially when you get back to the gyms when they open in the next uh, week or so. Don't touch a dumbbell and then touch your face straight away because you're just transmitting any form of bacteria or virus straight into your face. Next of all, number four, do not train with below the neck symptoms. Number five, manage all forms of stress. So that's both psychological and physiological. Number six, get seven hours of sleep per night minimum. Ideally, eight, nine hours would be better. Eat a well-balanced diet. Number eight, avoid constant dieting, so lower calorie intakes, and perhaps uh, to avoid nutrient deficiencies. Number nine, plan recovery weeks. No, again, more is not more. You need to recover at some point and let your body to, you know, rest, recalibrate, and recharge. And then 10, consider zinc lozenges, probiotics, vitamin C, 
and vitamin D. So guys, that is us for today. Bulletproof and immunity. I hope you found this useful. I know that a lot of you probably didn't want to hear about it because you just want to get jacked, shredded, perform super well, recover fast, and so on. But if you have listened to all of this, please implement and take action on this because ultimately, if you miss fewer training sessions and events and games, you are going to succeed um, in your sport. And essentially, you are going to progress much, much faster. And on that note, guys, if you found today useful or valuable, please do not forget to share and subscribe. Uh, share on your Instagram stories would be incredible. Um, only if you found today useful and you feel that other people could do with hearing me talk for the last 40 to 45 minutes about bulletproofing immune function. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.